What is going on, New York Giant fans? The Giants won. It's been three weeks since we've had a victory week, but is it something to build off of? Maybe for the team, but us fans are excited to win. We're excited to have the victory feeling. You know, if you want to forget about firing this guy or that guy, you can. And if you want to go back on that train, you can. Because a fan base is allowed to have both sides of the aisle opinions. But just a great game. Sure, to many casuals, it was boring. and There wasn't a lot of excitement. Yes, we know that. But the Giants, in my opinion, like many other teams have this year, exposed Sam Darnold for who he is. A lot of people, including me, thought that the Panthers were going to be this good team this year. That Sam Darnold was going to have a bounce back year compared to the years he had in New York with the Jets. Well, I was wrong. For right now. Now, next week, I don't know who they play. They can go out and beat the shit out of their opponent and go on some sort of run. But... The Giants defense, you know, they didn't play this great offense like the Chiefs and the Titans. But the offense was middle of the pack from what I perceived. DJ Moore was a big factor for most of the year. He only had, I believe, four receptions for 37 yards when it was in real time and not garbage time. Robbie Anderson had a couple of drops. Other than the first drive, Chuba Hubbard really didn't have a big day against this defense. And man... Let me tell you something. I've been totally on the defense all season. Clap, clap, clap. And it's not just the Adoree Jacksons of the world that did good. It's not just that James Bradbury got interception. Aziz Ojolari, Benedrick McKinney, Leonard Williams, Jabril Peppers. You can literally say that everybody on the defense did at least one good thing on Sunday. Now, Logan Ryan, in my opinion, he struggled a little bit because he missed a couple of tackles. Xavier McKinney, he was very physical on the football, so he had a good day. Back to Ojolari, though. Two and a half sacks, four quarterback hits. He is very impressive. He has five on the year, actually five and a half, so he's broken that rookie record. I know a lot of people are going to reference, oh, Lawrence Taylor, though. Well, sacks weren't officially a thing until I believe 1983 or something like that so he's already broken the rookie sack record he's going to have more sacks even though he is somewhat streaky but he had a good game he had a good game Quincy Roche that big blow up tackle on the I think it was a three yard end around to Shai Smith that was a big play for Roche that's why they should give him more snaps because O'Shane Zimenez and Lorenzo Carter they're really not doing much of anything right so Aziz on one side, Roche on another, two 2021 draft picks with a lot of potential. And Benedrick McKinney, he did a good job. Sign him to the active roster, keep him on the active roster, have him as starting linebacker one, have Tay Crowder as the second linebacker, as the second starting inside linebacker. Because I thought he had a decent game as well. Leonard Williams... I looked at his stats. I think he has three and a half, four sacks on the year. That's impressive. Through this time last year, he only had three sacks. So you know what? 
Maybe us fans were wrong about Leonard Williams and the way he started the season. I really don't like what he said about the fans and you don't boo a salesman. But they have to show me more. They have to show me more as a team. Because, yeah, you know, it's not a great thing. It's, you know, fans don't enjoy booing their home team. They don't enjoy that, but if you give them performances like what you guys did on Sunday, maybe the attitude will change. Now, this coming week is not an easy opponent, Kansas City Chiefs. However, you can silver line it with the fact that Patrick Mahomes is a little beat up. He's not concussed. He passed the protocol. Their defense is excruciating. Derrick Henry... He didn't run all over them. I actually checked the stats. It was like 89 yards on 27 carries. So it was a lot of turning over the football for the Chiefs. Tannehill had a nice day. You know, basically a game manager type of day. What he's been doing in Tennessee the last two years. In terms of the offense, I want to speak on that real quickly before we get to the stats and the key plays. Because I do think that's important this time around. And I'm going to try to get that done quickly. So we can talk about some other things as well. But the offense, they did well, you know, compared to what we said that they would have done. Now, the offensive line didn't play great. The Panthers had seven tackles for a loss. Now, that's not going to tell you anything except, well, they stopped Devontae Booker and Elijah Penny in the backfield a couple of times. Which isn't a good thing. But, in terms of the offense, I thought they did okay pass protecting. I didn't think they did great. I thought they... I thought they were going to get crushed and burned. They didn't. They allowed two sacks, I believe five quarterback hits, which which is half of the quarterback hits that the Giants had on the Panthers. Quarterback Sam Darnold. But Dante Pettis, he could be something as a fourth, fifth receiver. Uh, Darius Slayton, he looked good. David Sills dropped the pass, which is really something... I wasn't happy about, but hey. And Jason Garrett and Patrick Graham. Just both of them real quickly before we go into the stats. And I know I've been leading this. But Jason Garrett, I originally thought, oh, O-line. Bad pass protection, so he's going to go with a bunch of curls and sticks. Well, he did a couple of slants too. Dante Pettis, that one slant, that was a good play call. And how could I forget? Daniel... Beckham Jr. That was great. That was that was great. That's the highlight of the season right there. Dante Pettis overthrew him a little bit. Daniel Jones out with one hand. Mocks it like the David Tyree catch, like the Antonio Brown catch. I think it was against the Titans a couple years ago. Catches it. Takes a big hit from a defender. And he still makes the catch. So... He did it all. He did it all on Sunday, and I'm, I'm very proud of Daniel Jones. Did he have this great passing game like he did against the Saints? No, but he did what he had to against a good defense. This defense is one of the better ones in the league. I believe they were one of the best in terms of a rushing category. The Giants really didn't do anything in terms of the rushing category there unless it was Daniel Jones. And the first play they actually did, the Giants, on their first drive was a read option. And that went for 16 yards. And then they passed to Slayton and really couldn't get anything going. 
on that drive. So let's get into the key stats, key plays, and then I have some stuff to talk about with penalties because I really feel that one of the negative side of things with this game is the penalties where they came in because there was a lot on special teams, no defensive penalties, which is a good thing, but offensive penalties, the offensive line, who's doing this, who's doing that, right? There was no holding, but just procedural stuff, fundamental stuff that the Giants really kept screwing up. And if they want to be in football games, if they want to compete in football games, they really have to go out there and not have these types of penalties. So anyway, Sam Darnold, I'm going to start with the Panthers, then go to the Giants is how I do it. 16 for 25, 111 yards, one interception was sacked three times, quarterback rating of 10.7, that sucks. P.J. Walker actually came into the game later, I believe in the fourth quarter, three for 14, 33 yards, sacked three times as well, a quarterback rating of 2.8. Daniel Jones, 23 for 33, 203 yards, which is the stats he had last season in these type of games, uh, like the Washington game, the Bengal game, despite him getting injured. These are the type of stats he had. It's not great stats like he had against the Saints, but a win's a win. That's what you can say, right? No crucial mistakes from Daniel Jones. Also, something I, I love seeing from Jason Garrett is, you know, he knew the O-line was going to be bad. So he's out there, you know, putting Daniel Jones. He's having him roll out, which is a good thing because Jones is mobile. He did make a good throw to Darius Slayton along the sideline to start that big touchdown drive the New York Giants had. So Daniel Jones, uh, one touchdown, no interceptions. That touchdown going to Dante Pettis. And Dante Pettis... On the same drive, threw a pass to him, as we mentioned. One for one, 16 yards. Take a look at the rushing game. Carolina didn't really get anything done. If it was Christian McCaffrey, it would have been different. But Chuba Hubbard, once again, if it wasn't for the first drive, he would have had, I don't know, 20, 15 rushing yards on the ground. And they had a big couple of chunk plays. From what I'm reading on this, and I'm pretty sure it was mostly Chuba Hubbard on that first drive where they had five carries for 26 yards, which is about five per pop. Chuba Hubbard totaled 12 carries for 28 yards. So if it was all Chuba on the first drive, they only allowed two rushing yards the rest of the game to him. That's pretty impressive. But I'm pretty sure Royce Freeman was in there as well. He had three carries for uh, 18 yards. Take a look at the Giants rushing game. Not much. Devontae Booker, 14 carries, 51 yards, one touchdown. Daniel Jones, not uh, eight carries, 28 yards. And Elijah Penny had nine carries for 24 yards. So I don't know why they don't like using Brightwell, but that's not really any of my concern. DJ Moore had about four catches that actually meant something. The rest were in garbage time. Six receptions, 73 yards. Chuba Hubbard was behind him. Then it was Kirkwood. Then it was Robbie Anderson. Darius Slayton was the leading receiver for the Giants. Five receptions, 63 yards. Evan Ingram had a good game as well. A uh, total of six receptions, 44 yards. Dante Pettis, the one touchdown, five receptions, 39 yards. Ross had a big third down conversion, especially with the yards after the catch. And then everyone got a slab of the Daniel Jones pie. So you take a look at the defensive side of the ball. I'm going to read total stats for defense, and then I'm going to go into who contributed what. So the Panthers had a total of two sacks, nine tackles for a loss, and five quarterback hits. Tackles for a loss meaning that 
the Giants really weren't doing good in the running game in terms of running it and run blocking. It just shows that the Panthers were able to manipulate the backfield. If you take a look at the Giants, six sacks, seven tackles for loss, 10 quarterback hits, 16 quarterback pressures, which is a season high. I couldn't get the amount of pressures for the Panthers, but 16 quarterback pressures, that's a lot. That is a lot compared to what we usually see on a weekly basis from the New York Giants. And one interception, James Bradbury in the red zone, which was good red zone defense. Most of the first quarter and the second quarter was bend but don't break, but the second half really was, we're not going to do the bend but don't break. We're going to sit there and dominate. And that's what the Giants really did in the second half. They scored three on the first drive, the Panthers. They didn't get anything else done the rest of the game. So for the Carolina Panthers, Derek Brown had a sack, two tackles for a loss and a quarterback hit. Jeremy Chin had a quarterback hit. He actually just moved right through Billy Price, which Price has to get better on that. I mean, he's not been playing great over the last couple of weeks. Ryan Burns had three tackles for a loss, two quarterback hits, and a sack. That was on the stunt, which should have been executed by Will Hernandez. I would have blamed Solder, but I'm like, let me look at this again. Then it was Will Hernandez who messed it up. Uh, Hassan Riddick had a tackle for loss, and that was it. So, other than maybe a few pressures, they shut him out compared to the last time that New York Giants fans saw him. And I think that's pretty much it in terms of the Panthers' stats. Now you take a look at the Giants' stats. Tate Crowder was the leading tackler, but everybody got a slice of the pie. Leonard Williams had one and a half sacks and three quarterback hits. Jabril Peppers had one quarterback hit, a tackle for loss, and a sack. That sack was very, very... Exciting. It was thrilling. I don't know how to describe it, but Chuba Hubbard just flips him on his ass, gets back up, gets Sam Donald, and he gets him to the ground. That is athleticism like we haven't seen all season. And hey, put Jabril Peppers in the box as a pass rusher. He can get there. Aziz Ojolari had two and a half sacks, three tackles for loss, and four quarterback hits. Take a look at the next guy. Dexter Lawrence had a quarterback hit, a tackle for a loss, and one sack. Quincy Roche had one tackle for a loss on that Shy Smith rush. Austin Johnson had a quarterback hit. I saw the one where he just went right through the offensive line. He's been secretly good for the Giants this year. Uh, I would like to see him next year, maybe on a one-year deal kind of thing. One tackle for a loss for him, and I think that's pretty much it in terms of that. Now, you take a look at the total stats, the team stats, in terms of time of possession and turnovers and all this stuff. So, the Giants had 21 first downs. The Panthers had 11. In terms of passing first downs, the Giants had 11. Panthers had 8. The Giants had 7 first downs in the ground game, so it was more of a short yardage type of thing, where it's a 3rd and 2, 3rd and 3, 3rd and 5, they get the first down. Then the Panthers had only three rushing first downs. Mostly came on the drive, the first drive, really. Uh, the Giants had three first downs from penalties. There was a holding. There was a pass interference. I think there may have been an offsides. But you take a look at third down efficiency. The Giants, seven for 16, which is decent. You take a look at the Panthers, two for 15. Take a look at fourth down. Giants, 0 for 1, and that was in the red zone. That kind of sucked, but... The Giants ended up scoring because of the defense. And then on fourth down for the Panthers, they were two for four. 
Take a look at total plays. Giants ran 67. The Panthers ran 62. Total yards, 302 to 173. The Giants led the Panthers. Giants had one more total drive than the Panthers, uh, 13 to 12. Yards per play, the Giants had 4.5. The Panthers had 2.8, so it was very defensive. Um... Let's take a look at red zone attempts and stuff like that. The Panthers only got into the red zone once, and they blew it because Sam Darnold threw the interception. Giants were two for three in the red zone. The Devontae Booker touchdown, I believe. The Dante Pettis touchdown, which was ticky-tacky because his calf may have been down, but I'll take it as a Giants fan. And then, obviously, the first drive that they were down there, and they could not get anything on fourth down. Obviously, the Panthers had the interception, meaning they threw it. No special teams or defensive touchdowns. Time of possession, the Giants had 40, 34 minutes, 35 seconds on the clock, and then the Panthers had 25 minutes and 25 seconds on the clock. Now, penalties. Uh, I'll get into this more later. The Panthers had 7 for 37 yards, and then the Giants had 8 for 60 yards, which is not good. Sure, you could say, oh, they didn't have 10, 11, 12 penalties, but some of the red zone execution could have been better, and maybe the field goals wouldn't have been field goals if the offense executed. Not just, oh, a drop or an overthrown pass, but the penalties, they kicked in. So, I'm going to go by the important plays, starting from the first snap, really, to the end of the game. I'm going to try to get this in as quick as possible. So the first drive, Chuba Hubbard converted on fourth down. One of the rushing first downs. It was a two-yard gain for Chuba Hubbard, first down. Then Chuba Hubbard, two downs later, actually got a 13-yard carry, which was a chunk play for them, one of the only chunk plays. Then Shai Smith, a few minutes later, actually about a minute later, tackled... Three yards behind the line of scrimmage by Quincy Roche. Then Tommy Tremble converted a key four, uh, third down, actually, for the Carolina Panthers. It was a nine-yard gain, but from there, the Giants pretty much stopped them. Field goal attempt. On the first NYG drive, uh, Daniel Jones, first play, 16-yard pickup on a read option. Then a throw to Darius Slayton for 15 yards. Then later in the drive, they're stuck at a third and 13. And... What do you know? The penalties kick in. False start. Offense number 71. That's Will Hernandez. He moved. So it was third and 18. They had a passed Ingram for six yards, and it wasn't much of anything, so they had to punt. But on the second, New York Giants drive, which is where they got into the red zone, but they failed at it. They failed at scoring. Uh, Daniel Jones, a key chunk pass to Evan Ingram for 18 yards. Then Devontae Booker. Had a carry for seven yards, move all the way down to the goal line at the Carolina two about. Pass to Kyle Rudolph. Could be a touchdown, but his foot was out of bounds. Then a few plays going after that, after they overturned the call. Giants could not execute. Up in the middle for Booker. Jeremy Chin on the tackle. Next play, which was third down. Ingram, incomplete pass. You know, they couldn't find anybody. It was one receiver, so I don't really understand that play call, but I do, but I don't. Then Devontae Booker lost one on a tackle by Sam Franklin. Stopped him there. Now, Giants defense does the offense a favor. They score. Third down pass. 
incomplete pass by Sam Darnold because there was no receiver in the area. Intentional grounding. He was standing in the end zone. So that's going to be a safety. Let me do it real quick. This is a safety. Um, Giants put two up on the board. So the next drive, not much of anything. Really killed by a penalty, if you ask me. 27-yard pickup for Dante Pettis. That was the slant route that I was talking about. I loved the slant routes, to be honest, in this game because it was quick concepts. It wasn't all just the stick routes or this, that, and the other thing uh, by Jason Garrett, but it was the slant routes, yards after catch, right? Um, the next play after that, Daniel Jones, his own nine-yard carry. Then a few plays later, second and one turns into second and six, Nate Solder. Ineligible receiver downfield, and that's it's not good. Nate Solder really didn't have any holding penalties. He didn't have a great game, but that's key. That's key. That's a second and one that's easily convertible with a catch or a run play, but the reason he was downfield was because it was an RPO, and Daniel Jones actually attempted to pass it to Evan Ingram, I believe, and then Nate Solder was too many yards downfield. So after the Panthers punt, which was the next drive after the Giants punted, I just want to see if I got my papers correct here because I have a lot of them, a lot of them. Uh, Daniel Jones, 15-yard pass to Slayton, then another pass to Slayton for 10 yards but once again the penalties just keep kicking the Giants in the ass an eligible receiver downfield offense number 74 how is Matt Pear downfield 14 yards on an RPO I get it if you were down the field 3 yards 5 yards 14 yards downfield I don't know that has to be cleaned up I understand that sometimes the offensive lineman can have a misconception about, oh, is this going to be a run play, a pass play? What's the quarterback going to select? And that was ultimately a pass play. And 14 yards upfield. Scary. But Matt Pear, it's not like he's this veteran of 14 years. He's a guy that can easily fix that because he's shown improvement. He didn't even give up any pressures against the Carolina defense. So you know what? Shoutouts to him there, but... In terms of this mistake, it's fixable, and this is his only second year in the league. And this was almost a full game played for him if he didn't have that hand injury where they put Nate Solder in and Corey Cunningham in as well. So third and five, a few plays later, they get the first down because Jones scrambles. Legal motion on John Ross, and then you get a sack, Brian Burns. That's the one where Will Hernandez really didn't execute the stunt. And that pushes them out of field goal range. They have to punt. Now, the Panthers, they take the next drive all the way into the red zone. But the Giants, we all know what they did on this drive, right? Sam Darnold had two chunk plays. And they got first downs. You want to consider it a chunk play. I consider it because of what happened on this drive. A short pass to... DJ Moore for 12 yards, then a pass for 21 yards to DJ Moore. So he had a total of, let's see, 33 yards within the first two plays. Well, not the first two plays because one was a third and one. Then the next one was a first down, obviously. But within two plays, he had 33 yards and two receptions. So that's good for DJ Moore, but really didn't do anything for the rest of the game other than that. 
Um, then they were at the Giants, 23. Chuba Hubbard for a big gain, 12 yards. Then Azizo Jalari making a nice tackle for a loss, a loss of four yards. Then this is where the cookie crumbles for the Carolina Panthers. Sam Donald, incomplete pass, holding, offense, number 72. Taylor Moton held Dexter Lawrence. He was held twice on Sunday, so Dexter Lawrence was doing something meaningful. That backs him 10 yards, and then pass intended for Ian Thomas, closing in the hands of James Bradbury, interception. He fumbles, but he recovers it at the Giants' 19-yard line. Now, coming out of halftime, score at this point is 5-3, to three, which is a weird score. It's a baseball score, but... Daniel Jones was tackled for a loss in the backfield. This is the first drive out of halftime, if I didn't already say it. Uh, tackle for a loss by Brian Burns. He read the read option. And then third and 12, he gets sacked by Derek Brown. And once again, I know sacks happen in the NFL, but the O-line has to play better. Now, the first Carolina drive in the third quarter, DJ Moore had a 13-yard pass thrown to him to the 50-yard line, but... Third and two, and this is a short yardage situation. So they could run it, they could pass it, they do whatever. But they like to pass, and Darnold is sacked by Aziz Ojolari and his former New York Jets teammate, Leonard Williams. So clap, clap, clap for Leonard Williams. He had an outstanding day, and Aziz Ojolari did as well. So the next drive, I don't think this is a touchdown drive, or it is possibly. I think it is the touchdown drive. So it is the touchdown drive. So Giants get the ball at about the 25-yard line. Daniel Jones passed to Slayton for 15 yards. That's on the rollout. So the next play call kind of confused me. I'm not going to lie to you guys. The four-yard, or I should say four-yard loss. Screen pass to Dante Pettis didn't make much sense. But the Giants climbed out of there two plays later on a third and 12. Daniel Jones was being rushed. Booker was, I believe, in for pass protection purposes. Then he sneaks out of man coverage. I believe they had one of the rookie linebackers on him. It was like Edwards or something like that. He throws to Booker, first down. Giants get a 14-yard pickup. Then a 16-yard pass to Daniel Jones from Dante Pettis, the most exciting highlight of the game, which was fun to watch. I was in the car at the time about to go to a party, and I'm like, oh, my God, it's Odell Beckham, right? Um, but I was very excited. I was very hyped up about that play. And that was the highlight of the game, in my opinion. That was the highlight of the game. Then third and one at the Carolina 23. 11-yard pickup for Devontae Booker. Then on another third down situation at the Carolina 5s, the Giants, they want to score in the red zone. Stick pass, stick route for Dante Pettis, 5-yard pickup. Then it's a first down. Then it's a touchdown for the New York Giants. I thought his calf may have been down, but... There really wasn't enough to overturn it, according to the Fox broadcast, according to Dean Blandino, and really according to the call, because if there was enough to overturn it, they would have overturned it. But if the Panthers fans want to argue about that, trust me, that's their thing. They lost, and it's not really for me to say. So the Panthers, the next drive, at this point on, they really don't do much of anything other than maybe one of the drives where it's a couple of garbage-time chunk plays. But Sam Darnold sacked by Leonard Williams on third and nine. No loss of yardage there, but Leonard Williams getting in another sack. Then the next drive for the Giants ends on a fourth and one at the Carolina 35. A 53-yard field goal for Graham Gano, which is good. The Giants lead at that point 15-3. Next drive, they put in P.J. Walker. 
had a big pass to DJ Moore for 21 yards along the right sideline, but holding offense number 65. Dennis Daly gets called for the holding penalty. Then two yards later, he is sacked for a six-yard loss by Dexter Lawrence. Then the Giants are, at this point, just moving downfield. They're going downfield. They're trying to chew clock, doing whatever. They get to a third and eight. John Ross on a sideline route, not like a fade or anything like that, but a short sideline route, and he moves yards after the catch, first down, 12-yard pickup. But they do land in the fourth and eight, but the Giants, at this point, they really don't care. 44-yard field goal for Graham Gano, so it's 18-3 at that point. That big third down conversion actually played a part. Uh, even though it was on the Carolina 40, the Giants still executed, so they were pretty good on third down. 7 for 16, that's not bad compared to what they usually do. So the next drive, third and 10, Aziz Ojolari gets another sack. Two and a half on the day for Aziz, six-yard loss. They go for it on fourth down. They don't get it. It's like a fourth and 16 then the next play, the Giants get the ball back, 28-yard rushing touchdown for Devontae Booker, and that pretty much seals the game from there. The last Panthers drive was a couple of chunk plays, but it was garbage time. The Giants ended up stopping them, so those are the key plays. Let's talk about penalties, and this one really played a part. I know, I know a lot of people are going to talk about it because it's a win, but this team needs to improve. And they're two and five. It's not like oh they're seven and three or they're four and three or they're five and two. They had a couple of key penalties that really pushed them back, and they could have scored more points. I know they we're playing the game of coulda woulda shoulda, but this is stuff they really can't do when they're facing key opponents. I mean, they play the Panthers, which is about an average team, maybe a better team with a good quarterback, maybe Deshaun Watson or some of these other guys in the league, but. I don't know. So, Will Hernandez had that false start on one of the first Giants drives. It was a third and 13, so they moved back five yards, which goes from the Carolina 49 to the New York Giants 46. It was third and 13, as I said, so really wasn't a good thing. Just moved the chains back even more. Then, Nate Solder in the second quarter, as I mentioned, on a second and one, easily convertible, makes it second and medium 13 14 left to go, but it was a second and one. Move that back to Carolina 31, and they don't do anything on that drive. Then talking about the Matt Pert one, uh, the drive which Nate Solder had the penalty that ended in a field goal, so it was 5-3 to three Giants, but there could have been more to be had. There was more to be desired. In terms of Matt Pert's penalty, which is about three minutes later on, an eligible receiver downfield, drive ends in a sack and a punt, which really could have been something once again. What you're going to notice about most of these penalties as a foreshadow and just as a preview kind of thing is that most of them are in the first half. They cleaned it up in the second half, and some of them are meaningless in the second half. It was two penalties that are on special teams, but the Giants uh, found ways just to chew clock and keep having the ball right so John Ross had that illegal motion penalty which backed the Giants up five yards and then that drive didn't end well in terms of Daniel Jones he had the intentional grounding penalty which wasn't good uh, Darius Slain I think was going on a dig route and he thought it was going to be a flat so if Dante Jackson did not fall down in the secondary that could have been an interception but it was a miscommunication between him and Slayton so he throws it there intentional grounding offense number eight then on special teams with about 18 seconds left to go and maybe if there was more time on the clock I would say oh well you know they could have executed on this but 
there was 18 seconds, three timeouts. I don't know how much you're going to move the ball downfield that much. It was really into the single digits in terms of seconds once the punt was over with. But Darnay Holmes did have a holding penalty. He would actually, no, it was an illegal block in the back penalty. He would have a holding penalty later in the game. I thought he did very well in terms of pass coverage, and they only had three cornerbacks active. They had a fourth, which was Keon Cross, and he's a special teamer, really. So that backed him up about 10 yards, and that pretty much ended the half there. But once again, their next two penalties came in the second half, and, you know, it really didn't affect them. Keon Cross and holding penalty, which backed the Giants up to their own 14. Then Darnay Holmes in the fourth quarter on fourth down had a holding penalty on a punt, which backed the Giants up from the Carolina 48 to the NYG 42. So just as an overall opinion, overall thought, the Giants have to clean up with the penalties. The Giants have to clean up with the penalties, and I understand only two in the second half, but it's crucial. It's crucial. I know you guys probably say, oh, six penalties is not a lot, but when your offense has trouble executing in the red zone and on opponent's territory and your team's 2-5, and five, you really want to clean that up. But in terms of stock up, the entire defense, Daniel Jones, Evan Ingram, Matt Parrott, and Graham Gano. Graham Gano, I mean, you know, he made a good portion of the field goals, right? He put up a good portion of points on the board, including extra points. Daniel Jones... Better than last week. Better than last week. Maybe not superstar stats. Maybe not Pro Bowl stats, right? But he played a game where the Giants were very competitive. He did what he had to do. He made an Odell-like catch. He rushed the ball. He did it all. Just not 250 yards passing or 300 yards passing. Not eye-opening stats. Not popping stats. In terms of eye-popping stats, I know I really confused that for some reason. But he had a good game. He didn't turn over the football. His pocket awareness was good. Evan Ingram, you know, he had a solid game. No drops, nothing like that. Darius Slayton as well. I forgot to mention him. John Ross. Dante Pettis too. He had a key drop last week. But he's becoming the fifth receiver that I wanted. Um, Matt Parrott, no pressures on the left side. Very good. I don't know how Skura played, but the offensive line really didn't play good as a whole. They played decent at best on some plays, but, you know, this is the standard we have to live with for right now because Andrew Thomas is out and the offensive line is just not really playing up to standards, really. Uh, in terms of the whole defense, Aziz, Leo, I, I said earlier, if you look at the defense, all of the players on the defense... And I'm happy David Moa got some shots because he's better than Danny Shelton, though he really didn't do much of anything. Um, what was I going to say? You take a look at the defense. At least one player did something good. Benedict McKinney, he made that huge hit. He had a couple of good tackles. Tay Crowder, he had a tackle in the backfield, I believe. You take a look at Jabril Peppers, right? He had a sack on Sam Darnold. Leonard Williams, Aziz. This is the defense we were looking for, and I know it was against Sam Darnold, but... If they could show maybe a sliver of this against the Chiefs next week, we have a chance to win. That's my opinion. Graham Gano, as usual, kicking field goals, and then parts of the O-line for stock down. All right, so let's take a look at the key takeaways, the final thoughts. Daniel managed a game without key players and key targets. And I understand, I really haven't been keeping my promise of making excuses or whatnot, but your left tackle's out. Your offensive line's not playing well. 
Sterling Shepard was declared inactive late, about 12 o'clock, maybe 11 o'clock on Sunday. Kenny Galladay, KT are not playing, but Dante Pettis, you know, Daniel Jones made him look good. Opposite way with that catch, right? Uh, Darius Slayton had a good day. Daniel managed the game without his key targets, and he still made his receivers look good. And it's a beneficial thing for this offense, especially with the fact that we're not going to be seeing KT, Kenny Galladay, Saquon Barkley, Andrew Thomas until after the bye week, most likely. Defense shut down Donald, caused his benching. We, in my opinion, as a Giants fan, you know, I have an opinion. In my opinion, I thought we really exposed Sam Darnold. Sure, the offense isn't great and this and the other thing, but there's a narrative out there that a lot of people have painted that says that Christian McCaffrey is the real reason that the Panthers were doing good in the first part of the season, and now that he's out of the lineup, well, Sam Darnold is not much of anything. And I tend to agree with that. You know, maybe in the next couple of weeks without Christian McCaffrey because he was put on IR, maybe the next couple of weeks he does something. But we'll see. We'll see as outside fans, right? Jason Garrett, Patrick Graham called good games. Giants defense was very aggressive, 16 pressures. Not much of the curl routes. I mean, there was a couple of curl routes in there, but the slant routes, the rolling out of the pocket, that's what I really like from Jason Garrett, helping his quarterback benefit from the situation, making the best of a bad situation, if you will. Giants, crucial penalties, but they cleaned it up in the second half. They only had two penalties in the second half, and both were on special teams. But at that point, the Giants game was kind of in their favor. And, you know, the first half stuff, that's stuff you got to execute because God only knows the Giants could be next Monday losing 20 to nothing to the Chiefs and have seven penalties in the first half. Yeah, we could say, oh, they only had two penalties in the second half, but they could still be down. They could still be losing because of those penalties, right? So that's something they got to clean up, especially on offense. I mean, they didn't have any defensive penalties, but you got to clean that up on offense. This is one week. Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman are still futuristic questions. Yeah, I will give Giant fans the benefit of the doubt, and I say, you know, if you want to forget about firing Gettleman and firing Joe Judge this week, maybe leave that till we lose another game, go ahead. Enjoy your victory week. It's kind of how I'm seeing it. But if you still ask me, should the Giants clean house, I say yeah. You know, it's one week, it's one win, but... You know, the Giants haven't been consistent, so they need to show me consistency in order to keep some of the guys at MetLife, at least in my view. you need They need to show me overall that they belong in that building, that Joe Judge and Patrick Graham and Jason Garrett and Dave Gettleman belong in that building. And if they don't do this on a consistent basis, well, sucks for them. They're probably going to be out of a job. Maybe not Judge, maybe not Garrett, maybe... Not Graham, but Gettleman is probably a 90%er at this point. Giants face a busted-up Kansas City Chiefs team. Patrick Mahomes was sacked a couple of times against the Chiefs. He was hit a couple of times. And the Titans' defense really isn't that good. They have a pass rush, but their secondary is eh. They have Jackrabbit Jenkins as their quarterback one. But with me saying that, the Chiefs' offense couldn't get anything done. Mahomes left the game. They had to put Chad Henney in. So, 
we'll see what happens next Monday. I think our offense can definitely thrive because the Chiefs' defense is one of the worst in the league. And I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, the Giants are the best in the league after this one week. I'm not going to say that because they are still one of the worst in the league, though they had a good game. But I think the Giants can definitely take advantage next week. It's just, will they? They can, but will they take advantage? And people are talking about, oh, well, you know, and I was uh, starting to believe in this, really. Oh, the Chiefs, you know, they they built the old line in a year. Not a lot of their guys are performing up to par. Creed Humphrey, he's been good. I don't know how Joe Tooney's playing, but they're hitting Patrick Mahomes quite a couple of times. That's probably why they're 3-4 and four beside the defense. It's because Patrick Mahomes is getting a hit a shit ton. So, we'll see. I'm not going to say that we're going to win next week. I'm not going to predict anything right now. I still think that the Giants are going to lose that game, but, but I would be happy to be wrong. So... If you guys haven't already, like, comment, subscribe, turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or your drops. Please subscribe if you're on YouTube. We're only a couple away from 300 subscribers. I'm going to try to do a World Series game. I'm also going to try to do maybe an NFL game coming up. Uh, for Boys in the Big Apple next week, it's likely going to be on Wednesday if all of our schedules pan out because I would like to watch the Chiefs game and not do the podcast. Do it on a Wednesday so we can actually get our picks in because we do this thing independently, not on the podcast, where we do a three-point pick, a two-point pick, and a one-point pick. So maybe we do that on the podcast for next week, and, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. It's definitely going to be a fun road from here in terms of the Big Blue and the Bronx YouTube channel. Peace out, guys. See you later. Stay cool.